Well, thank you guys for having me. Um, As we get settled in, just a little bit more of an intro. Um, I'm married to Sarah. We have uh, three beautiful kids, Tilly, Margo, and Max. Um, We just moved to San Antonio this summer, and we're really loving it. Um, It's been a great move and a great change for us. We uh, had served RUF at the University of Central Florida, um, also known as the self-proclaimed 2017 National Champions in football. If you follow sports at all, uh, you might uh, enjoy that. So, uh, so I'm thrilled to be here, really grateful for how the Lord has brought us here. Uh, in the summer of 2009, I actually served um, not too far from here in San Marcos uh, at the PCA church there uh, called Church of the Cross. So you may have been part of that, and I may just not remember you or don't recognize you through a mask. So uh, if so, I'd love to uh, talk to you and really anybody uh, who's part of this church. Um, we are the Presbytery's ministry, um, and I would love to tell you more about RUF and how God is at work. Uh, very briefly, it's been a weird, very weird semester for us. We actually, I actually have some letters in the back if you want to grab one. Uh, because the campus is closed to any student organizations. Um, And so we've been running our ministry out of our home. Um, But uh, I just moved here this summer, so I don't have, like, all these relationships that I can, like, build on. And so so we've been adventing all semester. We've been longing and waiting for a better day to come. So, uh, So I feel like... I have been doing this in practice a lot, um, and I'm sure that you guys have too, because this is one of the weirdest years uh, on record, at least in our modern times in America. So um, let me pray for us, and then we're going to dig into God's word. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for drawing us here this morning to hear your word, uh, to proclaim your gospel in our singing, uh, in our laments in our prayers. We pray that you would draw us near to you in your word this morning. We pray for uh, this word that it would um, be crystal clear in our minds, that our hearts would be moved, um, and that uh, it would change us, that we would, be, we would be different leaving here this morning by hearing this word. We pray that your word would go forth um, and that it would be powerful in our hearts today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So I uh, grew up in Granbury, Texas, which is outside of Fort Worth. And I uh, grew up playing a lot of baseball and going to baseball camps. And one of the things that I hated and I did not long for uh, was something that's called the Dizzy Bats game or Dizzy Bat Challenge. And what happens in that challenge is that you're a little ways from a teed-up baseball, and you have to go around uh, to make yourself dizzy about, about 10 times, and then try to walk up, going like back and forth, up to this very easy-to-hit ball on a tee, and to try to hit it somewhere. And it was an amusing game, especially when kids are playing it, because we looked like fools. You would honestly have to get kids back like several feet. So it was social distancing at his bets back then and probably is still today if if people are still doing this. It's probably honestly a huge hazard uh, because of how sick people get. But the the dizzy bat game um, is something that I hated. When I stopped playing baseball, that was one of the things that I was, was so thankful for. I don't have to do the dizzy bat game again. 
Um, and I, I kind of feel like Daniel chapter 10 is the dizzy back game again. I, you know, I, I read this probably 10 times before I felt like I wasn't just completely dazed and confused as I was going away from it. Like, what just happened? This is confusing. This is wild and crazy. And part of the reason, I think, when we read this apocalyptic literature, we read things that aren't just completely crystal clear in our minds, especially as logical people most of us are, is that God is actually wanting to take the reins out of our hands. He's wanting us to show, he's wanting us to see that we are not in complete control of our own lives. And that's hard. And I just want to name that for us today. That is hard to recognize that we don't have complete control of what's going on in our lives. So I want you to think on that as we're, as we're looking at this passage, uh, but also recognize that there is something amazing at work here. And it's that the physical and spiritual realms are being brought into us. It's, it's as though there's some peeling back of what's happening in the world, and the physical and spiritual, in some ways, are kind of divided out, but are being brought into our understanding. So I'm going to read this passage in Daniel chapter 10, and um, you may be dazed and confused. Hopefully, you're, you're trusting in what the Lord is doing here. So Daniel chapter 10, starting in verse 1. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belteshazzar. And the word was true, and it was a great conflict. And he understood the word and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. On the 24th day of the month, as I was standing on the banks of the great river, that is the, tig the Tigris, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen with belts of fine gold from Uphaz around his waist. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great trembling fell upon them, and they fled to hide themselves." So I was left alone and saw this great vision, and no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed, and I retained no strength. Then I heard the sound of his words, and as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in deep sleep with, a face, with my face to the ground. And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand these words that I speak to you and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken the word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief priests, came to help me, for I was left there with you, the kings of Persia, and came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days. For the vision is for days yet to come. When he had spoken to me according to these words, I turned my face toward the ground and was mute. And behold, one of the likeness of the children of man 
touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke. I said to him who stood before me, O my Lord, by reason of the vision pains have come upon me and I retain no strength. How can my Lord's servant talk with my Lord? For now no strength remains in me and no breath is left in me. Again, one having the appearance of a man touched me and strengthened me. And he said, O man greatly loved, fear not, peace be with you. Be strong and of good courage. And as he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Then he said, Do you know why I have come to you? But now I will return and fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. There is none who contends by my side except Michael, your prince. This is the word of the Lord. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Friends, as we look at this passage, again, I want to encourage you to not avoid confusing, challenging passages like this, but to really dig in and to to see how the Lord is at work. And we are going to see how very clearly how God is at work. God is at work. This is one of the mantras that we have in RUF, that God is at work when we don't see it, when we do see it, and when we're confused and we think, how in the world did that happen? And God is at work in both the physical realm as well as the spiritual realm. God is at work in the spiritual realm, and we believe it, and we confess it, and we even sang it just now in saying that, Lord, you have to come and do your work. We know not physically he is doing that right now, but we hope and believe that God is at work spiritually in our hearts and in our words and in the ways that we do things. So we, we pray that God will be at work. And so what we're going to do is actually break apart the physical and spiritual to understand how God is at work in this passage. And we're going to look first at the physical because it's a little bit more understandable and we, can, and we get a lot of pictures of it in this passage. Um, I love the show Friday Night Lights. Um, I'm more of the show person rather than the movie. That's kind of like a tension for a lot of people. But the show ran six or seven seasons long. It was in this made-up town of Dillon, but it really encapsulates a lot of places in the state of Texas. Uh, It's kind of a dusty West Texas town. And one of the amazing parts of this show is that it shows this beloved coach, Coach Taylor, and just his heart and his love for the kids that are on this Dillon High School team. And the tagline that runs throughout this show is something that we ought, to, we, we ought to know, and it's clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. They, they have a lot of trials, tons of trials that happen to particular people, but even to the team, and they believe that, that if they have clear eyes, really if they are looking at the world clearly, if they have full hearts, if they are being filled up, that they cannot lose. And you find out in this show that extends not just to wins and losses in a game, which can can vary, right? Things happen. But that it actually goes into life, that you can't lose in life. Um, And here we have, in, in a sense, Daniel's life is indicative of clear eyes, full heart, can't lose. He was kind of the right hand man, right? 
Uh, he, he was someone that was very important in uh, the kingdom of Babylon. Then he is thrown in the lion's den because uh, he is praying to the Lord. He has, he has a very wild life, but it is, it is completely faithful on and, and, and with, the, with our God. Um, on a scale from really good uh, and really hard in terms of the life of the people, the Jewish people, where you would say like David's rule would maybe be a 10 if we're on a scale from 10 to 1. And then the Babylonian existence, which was very, very hard. Right now we're going to enter into the, um, these people, the Persian people, and they were, pretty, they were pretty kind in some ways to the Jewish people. They treated them pretty well. And so this, is in, this vision happens in the third year of King Cyrus, this king who seems to be pretty okay with the people of God. And David is, is showing us, is giving us actually a really great example of faithfully pursuing the Lord. He is praying. You see him fasting in this picture. Now, it's not prescriptive of how we have to act as Christians. I want to make that very, very clear. He's not saying all of you as Christians have to go and fast and pray for 21 days. But he's giving us a really wonderful example of what it means to live a faithful life. To be a person who is pursuing the Lord in his heart and in his life. So that's a very big distinction. So we as, as Christians, as people who believe in God, whose hearts have been transformed by his spirit, we walk by faith and not by sight. The, the people were doing well. There is flourishing that you could even say is happening for God's people. But walking by faith and not by sight led Daniel into fasting and praying and spending a lot of time with the Lord. Daniel is taking away the conveniences of, our own, of his own life in order to focus all of his attention on the Lord. And I think I just want to stop and say that this is something that we ought to do. Maybe it's not food. Maybe it's not bathing, which is something that is indicative of this passage of him not um, putting oil on himself. But I, I guarantee that each of you have things that you cling to that are delicacies in your life. For me, it's my phone. It's staying up to date with things that are going on in my, uh, that, that I care about, as well as my friends and my family and others, as well as the news. I've recently become kind of a coronavirus junkie, uh, and I like to stay up to date with how Bear County numbers are looking in the state of Texas, and, and, and sometimes I'll spend multiple, multiple, like, you know, all, like hours kind of like going into that rabbit hole. And what that's doing is it, it, it is a distraction from the Lord. And I don't know if, if the coronavirus obsession is you, but I guarantee that there is something in your life that's, that is, is good that you can make into an idol and uh, can take you away. And so Daniel is actually giving us a good picture of faithfulness. I think that's one thing to recognize. The second in, in understanding this physical sense is that you have, there is this vision of this man, seemingly like a, a messenger from God, okay? And for the sake of our time, I'm going to say that this is actually the pre-incarnate Jesus. This is the second person of the Trinity, uh, not 
incarnate in Jesus, right? That this, is, that this is him coming to Daniel. And there's a couple of reasons why. And one is that when, you, when we see him show up the second time, it says that he actually looked like a man. But I, but I want to look at this passage because in um, verse 5 it says, I lifted up my eyes and looked and behold a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Uphaz around his waist. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes looked like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. This is essentially what God's people were thinking the, the Messiah would be when he came to earth. That Jesus, and, and, and a lot of Jewish people now, as well as when they, he came, did not think that he would be this man that was born of a woman. They thought that he was going to be like a superhuman. That he was going to look just like this, that he was going to be a warrior and was just going to slay people. And we know at least our, our confessions tell us that Jesus is a warrior, that he does slay the principalities, but it looks a lot different. He comes in a humble form in order to take on our sin in the world. But in this picture, in verses 5 through 7, he is at war in the spiritual realm. He is taking care of things in the spiritual realm that we can't see <clears throat> this is a challenging passage for us to understand because we see this vision of this physical person who's come from the spiritual realm into the physical, and yet we also are encouraged by this message that he brings where he says, I have been fighting against the princes of Persia. These people who were supposed to be pretty okay with the, with the Jewish people, he's fighting against them. And then he gives us this interesting hope that we're going to get to a little bit later, that he's actually going to go and fight the prince of Greece when he comes. So we're going to get to that in a minute. But what, what I want you to understand in this, in this physical sense, as we are in the physical world right now, is that it encourages us to know God in some deeper ways, in some real ways, in some simple ways, too. I was so encouraged, uh, so in RUF, we have about 15 campus ministries around the state, and we all got together this past week in Fort Worth, and one of the newer guys uh, had just shared his, his testimony, and he said, I was a 21-year-old guy who was encouraged to read the Bible, had no like, prior knowledge of the Bible. A friend gave me the Bible. I read the first seven chapters of Luke, called my friend, and said, I believe. Like, that kind of stuff is wild. But it's also beautiful, and it's simple. The simplicity of the scriptures is, is what can change people's hearts uh, and, and can just do amazing things. But we, but we also don't want to just, like, shove the Bible on someone saying, like, well, if you just read this, you'll be good. You'll be saved, just like that person. Because the, the Lord doesn't always work that way. It can also be very hard for people to, to look at the scriptures and to believe. They can be confused. Uh, but the means of grace, prayer, and God's word, and then the sacraments, as we'll look at today, as we'll, as we'll do at the Lord's Supper, actually have an opportunity to bring us to God himself. And as we're in this season of Advent, to give us good longings 
to long to be near him, to long to be with him. Another story I heard this week that was incredible was a friend who works in labor and delivery in Fort Worth saw like one of the most miraculous cases of healing. She said that uh, a baby was born, had incredible like issues going on. I'm not going to go into all the medical uh, terminology or details, but what they had to do with a baby I thought was amazing. So for five days, the baby's body had to be cooled and then heated back up. And what the parents had to do, and what the doctors had to do as well, was literally just let go of the baby and to allow this process to happen, for, it to, for its body to be cooled and then heated back up. And there was a chance, a very, very slim chance, that the baby would survive. And what happened is that the baby is now thriving. And this child who is now two months old is living a life that is typical of any two-month-old. If you're a parent, you know that this is around the time that babies are starting to turn. The baby is doing that. This is a time where they're actually recognizing faces of their parents and responding to them. The baby is doing that. It is a miracle. And I love what my friend Meredith said. She said this. She said, I actually was able to witness God's hand at work. And I think that most of us are completely unaware of it. We want things that we can feel and touch. Again, we get distracted. But I, I want to encourage you that in this physical world, we can even see miraculous things. We can even see God's hands at work in his people. <clears throat> so that now I want us to look at the spiritual world. We get an incredible glimpse of the spiritual world. And I kind of gave you a, a sneak peek to that because the messenger of God comes to Daniel stating that he has fought the prince of Persia for 21 days. So there, there, there is kind of this battle that's happening in the spiritual world for Daniel and, and the, the, this, the, this messenger who we're going to say is uh, the second person of the Trinity before Jesus was, was a man. He, he actually wins and comes to <clears throat> to Daniel and delivers him this message. In verse 13, it says, the prince, of, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the prince of Persia. And this is really good news. This is really good news because we hang on to this beautiful promise that God is fighting for us, that he is at work, that he will send messengers out to fight against the principalities, the things that are, that are waging that we can't see. But honestly, we probably know that there is something in the spiritual world that's happening. So we get a glimpse into that. And I want to return to last week's sermon. If you ha didn't hear it, you should really go back and listen to it, or maybe even listen to it again, um, of what Derek said. And when he, when he detailed the history that had happened, right, from here with the, the Persians and then the Greeks take over with Alexander the Great. And then a little bit later down, you hear of uh, the, the greatest test to the Jewish people, which was Antiochus Epiphanes, this awful leader who was trying to put the, the Greek mythology down the throats of every single person in the world. And of course, as we, hear from, as we know from the story of Daniel, the Jewish people said, no, we believe in the Lord. They were focused on him. 
And so his desire was to eradicate the Jews. The messenger of God says, I'm going to actually go and fight the Greek prince. Uh, and this Hellenistic leader uh, was one of those. And so we, what, what we know from history um, and from, from the world that was happening is that the Greek people did a lot in culture. But I want to tell you something that's really beautiful about what, how the Greek culture and the Greek way of life and all of, all of that had led up to this point past the uh, persecution that ended up failing, right? The Jewish people ended up making it out and not being eradicated, praise the Lord. But what, what happened is that God used that in order to share uh, his word through a means that most people in the world knew, which was the Greek language. And in a place that was almost the center of the world in terms of the trading, which was Jerusalem. And so all of these people from all around the world, all these cultures, have maybe a piece of Judaism or a piece of the, or, and, and they know the language because it's, it's widespread. And so when Jesus comes in the flesh, he comes as one who is in, in this culture and, and, and it's, just, it's interesting to think of, right? This Greek man, this king who was trying to take out the Jewish people ends up being a benefit in some ways to the spread of the gospel post-Jesus. And w- with all of this happening, with this idea of the spiritual realm and, and God winning, it can make us question, does the physical even matter? Does it even matter that we are living in this physical world um, what, one thing before I answer that question is to just confirm that, this, that, that the spiritual effect is really happening. In Ephesians 2, verses 1 and 2, it says, And you were once dead in your trespasses and sins in, once, in, once, bleh, in which you once walked. Most of us are probably pretty familiar with that. And this passage actually, uh, in verses 8 and 9, it talks about, By grace you have been saved through faith, and it's not of yourself. It is a gift of God through Jesus Christ. We can, we can go from you're dead to it's by grace you've been saved. But verse 2 is actually really helpful for us here. So the trespasses and sins in which, which you once walked, following the course of this world, following, hear this, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. What Paul is saying here in Ephesians, because he's speaking to an audience of people who have been infected by the the spiritual world, but what we need to hear is that there is still a battle that is waging between God and his messengers and those messengers in the world that would desire for us to be disobedient. And so here we are in this physical world, recognizing that the spiritual world is around us, and yet the, the, the physical world matters so, so much. And on December 25th, we celebrate the coming of the King. Jesus, who was in the spiritual realm, who was fighting our battles, came to the earth as a baby. He was born of flesh. There is no sense of anything that is, is um, considered a real document in those days that would have said that he was nothing other than a real person. That is miraculous and amazing. 
as we consider how it could, it's easily separated between the physical and the spiritual world, those two things come together in Jesus. And then Jesus lives the life that we couldn't live, dies the death that we deserve, and is seated at the right hand of the Father in order to, uh, in order to intervene for us. God fought our battles, and Jesus was sent out to fight our battles then. He fought our battles in coming to this earth, and he is interceding for us right now. I want to share this song, and I might embarrass myself severely, especially since uh, Derek is an actual singer. But um, there is a beautiful song that comes from the gospel and um, really the, the black tradition, the black church, uh, that goes this way, and I think it's most effective if it's sung. But it, it's, it's, it goes this way. It says, Be still, God will fight your battles. Be still, God will fight your battles. And I'm going to stop there. It continues that way. And it's actually most effective if there is a bass singing it. Because it really kind of like, it, it gets you to a comfortable spot. Where you, where you feel like you do need to be still. And I think that's a, an incredible encouragement for us today. We live in an incredibly anxious place in America. We live in a time where things are going on around us. And my encouragement for you today is to know that you're not in control and to be still, to recognize that God will fight your battles, that he is at work. And so as we move on from here, how does Daniel 10 help us long for Advent? It gives us hope that God continues to fight the principalities of this world today. We heard that evidence in Ephesians chapter 2. It gives us hope that our friends and family who may be far off, maybe aren't, uh, still have an opportunity to be, to be conquered by our king. I think of the example of Paul in Acts chapter 9, and it's almost an identical picture of what happens with, with Daniel. The stunning thing that happens is almost identical. It also gives us hope that the physical is not everything. That maybe if you are struggling with your life or if the person that you love who you know is far off from Jesus is struggling, that that is not everything, that God is at work in the, in the spiritual world. Also, if you are thriving, that that is not everything that this world is about. So I hope it's encouragement for you to seek the spiritual things. Um, I hope it's, it's hopeful for you to seek the kingdom through his means of grace, through prayer, through hearing his word, and as we're going to practice through the sacraments. I hope it gives you hope also to share yourself with others in this community. To be real about the laments that you may have confessed earlier. To be real about your own sin and about your own, your own struggles. Um, and to not hide from those things. Um, so as we go from here, uh, I pray that this is an encouraging word. And to look back at this passage, verse 1 is such an important thing because it says that Daniel recognized that it was true and it was a great conflict in his heart. 
He recognized that it was true, and yet, as we might say in 2020, it was heavy. It was a lot to understand. This verse gives us clarity that Daniel wasn't on some trip or wasn't drugged, uh, but that, that Daniel is led into the spiritual and to understand the physical. Um, I hope that this is encouragement for you as you go forward, as you fight those battles and recognizing that God is at work in all of this. Let me pray for us as we continue. Jesus, we thank you for your word. I pray that you um, be with us as we go from here. Thank you for um, being a good God who, who gives us your word so that we may walk uh, in your grace and in your truth. I pray that, um, that we may trust in you more today than we did uh, as we came here this morning. I pray, um, Father, and we beg and lament and, and groan for the things that are to come, but we pray that you would um, use this word powerfully uh, today. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.